0: Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, a weekly podcast where I talk with a testicular cancer survivor, caregiver, or others touched by cancer. This podcast is produced by the Max Mallory Foundation, a nonprofit family foundation focused on education about testicular cancer in honor and memory of Max Mallory, who died in 2016 at age 22 from testicular cancer. I am your host, Joyce Lopstrom, Max's mom, who is also a young adult and adult cancer survivor. Had he survived, Max wanted to help young adults with cancer. With that in mind, I started this podcast through the Max Mallory Foundation to share his story as well as insights from others who have survived and navigated the testicular cancer journey. Each episode begins with a fact to know about testicular cancer, and today in our first episode. The fact comes from the MD Anderson website and provides information on risk factors for testicular cancer. Here it is. This is on age, and it says most cases of testicular cancer occur between the ages of 15 and 40. And testicular cancer is the type of cancer found most often in men ages 20 to 34. So today's guest is Chuck Mallory, who is Max's dad and the treasurer of the Max Mallory Foundation. Chuck is a writer of both fiction and nonfiction articles and books. He also manages the social media accounts for the foundation, and he's with us to talk about Max's journey with testicular cancer. So Chuck, thanks so much for being the guest today on our first episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. Welcome.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So let's just start with Max's story. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Max Mallory, our son, and his journey with testicular cancer?
1: Well, it was a strange journey, I've got to say, once Max was diagnosed with cancer, because as you know, we were always aware of cancer and cancer affecting people all through Max's childhood and more so I think than other people because you had dealt with it in your 20s and I had heard something you know about even testicular cancer when I was in my 20s but I believe what surprised both of us most in this case was how it came about that he had it because when this began i would say the period when he didn't feel well it was the summer really of 2015 and he had just graduated from college in media arts and game development from the university of wisconsin whitewater and got a job within the industry and was able to stay right in whitewater It was nice that there was a startup company there. So it just seemed like everything was on the right path. He had, though, that summer started to feel kind of sick to his stomach. That's the way he described it to me. And I remember this more after, from about mid-summer, maybe hearing about it in late July or August, um and I know that the last time I visited him in Wisconsin before he came to get medical treatment and was really having some problems was in mid-September, I believe maybe September 16th. Now, before then, we had talked on the phone and he had told me he thought he had maybe a urinary tract infection at one time. He went to an urgent care clinic. They gave him some, I think, maybe antibiotics. There was another time he had that, and maybe it was some stomach upset, went to a different urgent care center, and they said something like, we think it's this, and it seemed like, you know, he was taking care of it. Why wouldn't we all think that? But I do remember the time in mid-September that we ate lunch at a good place, and we'd been there before, and he didn't finish his lunch. And I said, You know, what's the deal? He goes, You know, I've still been having my stomach trouble. And we talked a little about it and some of the things he could do. So I bring all of that up in detail because when he came to Chicago, he'd been starting to have real bad, cramping, strong pains in his stomach. And he finally, I had encouraged him to come, he finally came in October and stayed with me the night before. And the next day, I was at work, and it hit him so severely he had to call nine one one and he had an appointment, of course, that day to to kind of check it out and that was the beginning of knowing what this was, and I mean, it was so stunning because all the years sort of rolled back that night hearing the diagnosis when they said he's got cancer, it has spread, it has spread in several locations in his body. And at that point, I think we didn't understand how could this happen. But to find out later on that it was because of testicular cancer and the story of him, like we thought we prevented it and how that whole journey happened was startling. He was born with only one testicle and he You know, we didn't think as much about it. The doctor said, hey, this does happen. Let's just see if it descends these first few months. If not, we might have to do surgery and pull that down. And I was terrified about the surgery on a baby, like nine months to a year-old baby. But when he had the surgery, they said there was nothing to pull down. He simply doesn't have the other testicle. He was only born with the one. So in most people's mind, that would not make them think, There was a possibility of testicular cancer, and then it happened, and that's just a big level of awareness that, of course, we want to work on because he did go through so many stages of surgeries and treatments, chemotherapy, really fighting testicular cancer when it was a surprise that he had to fight it at all. We never even thought about it being a possibility.
0: I know. And, and you're right, Chuck, because as you said, we'd been told there was no testicle. And so I, I didn't think about it. I didn't worry about it. And, you know, as we reflect on what happened... Neither did any of the pediatricians he saw over all those years because he did go on a regular basis and nobody questioned him having one testicle or what happened to the other one or any of that. And, you know, based on what we know now and in talking with other young men who have had a similar situation and diagnosis, it seems like that's a big piece of information to share for any young man that has only one testicle, just to make sure that you know what happened to the other one as you get older.
1: Yes, and this is a focus of what I want, you know, some of the awareness I want to bring about that part of it.
0: Well, I think that's good because, you know, over all these years, because, you know, we were, he went to the doctor and so forth, and I think it's interesting to me to think about why nobody asked him, and then What do you as a parent ask a doctor? What do you say to them? Because I think that's just something, as I just said, but to really be aware of that. And I think you have a really good personal insight on that, too, because you had to deal with some of that as a teenager and as you got older. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting sort of two-generation story, I guess you could say, except that I didn't have testicular cancer. But what happened gave me some information and maybe not enough information or the right information. So when I was about 13 or 14, I began to be aware, maybe you know, a year or two earlier, that I had one testicle. And I think it was because entering puberty... And starting to have gym class where you take showers and things like that, as opposed to just elementary school recess, you know, it it just became noticeable. And I remember just thinking, oh, this is something's not right here. I didn't grow up like our family, like saw each other. Some people see their brothers or sisters in the nude or whatever, but that didn't really happen in my family. And so one thing about it was I knew that only having one testicle was not. Normal, although I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. And back in the day, you know, it was the late '60s. I didn't in my family. We didn't talk to our parents about anything. And boys wouldn't talk to your. It'd be your mom probably about your health things. So I thought maybe it will just come down. Maybe that other testicle will just magically appear. Which hmm, you know, it was a, a more innocent time, more ignorant time too. Anyway, it. You know, I thought one day, hey, it appeared. There was a mass there and it was not really like a testicle. It was softer, but not quite. So, I just thought, well, that's weird, but now I have two. And it was when I was about 17, I had a sort of a pain in my side, I guess I would say, of my abdomen. And it Didn't, I kind of thought it was appendicitis, but wasn't sure. And on my own, I was 17, went to a doctor and he was examining and he found out that I did have a hernia, but he was poking around and he said, you also have a hydrocell. And I said, what's that? And we talked about it and I was more comfortable talking to a doctor than my own parents, believe it or not. But it was a soft mass, a watery mass. It was not a testicle. And he said, that has to be removed. And, you know, he explained I just had one testicle. I'd function just fine, etc." cetera. So that night, I went home and actually told my parents, uh, guess what? I need surgery. Very strange. But see, I had that experience. What's odd about that is it was four years later when I was 21, and I went to see a doctor in Columbia, Missouri, where I was going to college. And, you know, of course, you knew me then. And he said to me, it was like an overall exam, and he said, "You, there's something here. And he was poking around. It was, you know, no young guy likes that, but it happened. And he said, you have something here that's the size of kind of like a shriveled pea. And this was in my groin area. And he told me he thought it was an undescended testicle. And I said, oh no, I had this mass removed and here's what it was. And he said, well, no, I don't think that the doctor removed the testicle. And I said, well, I'd never had one. It was just this other thing. He said, no, that's not typical. So, you know, he did talk about it a little bit and then I chose to have surgery on that because he told me, and this is what was key. I said, well, what difference does it make? why take it out? He goes, you have to, because he goes, having that undescended testicle there and not removed increases your testicular cancer chances times 40. I remember that specific term. Maybe that's what was believed at the time. So I had that removed. And then I just thought, well, good. I can't get cancer now of testicular cancer type. I never really, nobody in my family had had it so I hadn't thought about it, even getting it, but I was falsely believing I was not at any higher risk for testicular cancer. Now, to his credit, that may have been the thinking at the time. It wasn't until Max was sick, and we were talking about testicular cancer, and he was talking about the the chances of cancer with having an undescended testicle, I said to him, I said, well, you know, my chances are just like the normal public because I had my undescended testicle removed. And he said, well, no, you still have a higher chance of testicular cancer. And I said, what? And I didn't even know it till then, which was when he was already sick just in 2000, late 2015. So I had gone to doctor's And even in later years, and I had doctors ask me about it. I even had a doctor in the Chicago area, and this was post-2010, who used to always have a student come in when I had my checkup because, and I had given her permission, she wanted to show some of the students that she worked with someone who did actually have one testicle and what that was like. But nobody said, do you know you have an increased chance of testicular cancer? And I think it's something that people should know. There are tests you could take perhaps in a checkup that's a little bit above and beyond a regular blood profile checkup. I mean, I didn't even know it. Max certainly didn't. That's the thing that people need to be aware of. If a boy has an undescended testicle and then he ha- it's examined later, then, and maybe it has to be brought down surgically, maybe it was never there, but they had to do surgery to find that out. No matter what like that you would hear about a boy, I think always be aware that testicular cancer is at increased risk, and this is not something that you can find by examining for a lump. There's a lot of great promotion from groups about here's how to check your testicles to look for a lump. And that word still needs to get out there too. But there's this other awareness that a lot of people don't know about, which is if you ever had an undescended testicle removed, even if you had an artificial one put in, even if you were just born with one, you still have that increased risk. And that's something you need to talk to your doctor about. And pediatricians across the U.S. and other places need to make sure they address this with their parents, maybe not the child himself, if he's pretty young, but always let the parents know this. Let them know what kinds of tests could be done early to see if there's any kind of early detection. Because if you get testicular cancer from an undescended testicle, you will probably never feel a lump in your other testicle, because that's not the source. So that's a big area of awareness that I believe the Max Mallory Foundation is going to get out there even more and more. Granted, it's not a big audience, but it's a very crucial audience because these people have never heard this.
0: No, and you're right, Chuck. Uh, And I know in a future episode, we'll talk more in detail about the type of cancer Max had, which was choreocarcinoma. And it was very aggressive uh, in him. And I think by nature it is, but you're right in terms of That undescended testicle in a lot of the literature, and I guess awareness building is always, as you said, look for a lump, and there isn't one. And I think Max's symptom of the lower back pain and you know the stomach ailments and so forth all contributed to what happened. But it's also symptoms that men, young boys, should pay attention to because, as we talked about at the beginning, this is a cancer that's most commonly found you know at a young age and you know one that men just need to be aware of and it sounds like as well as we know there is a way to pay attention and hopefully find find out what you, what you can do about it if you only have that one testicle and i know it's just something that i guess just thinking about with what happened to max questions that we could have asked earlier but that perhaps just to make sure you have all the information, I guess is probably the piece of advice that I want to say as well.
1: Right. And I think advice that I would have for parents that had a child that was had an undescended testicle, whether it was brought down, whether an artificial one had to be put there, is simply to, I believe, say to your son at, you know, they may, if they ask before 11 or 12, fine. But bring, just bring it up and say, hey, you know, here's something, you know, we know because we had you since you were a baby and, you know, is this, does, do you understand this and what this is about? Just to also give them that psychological side of, I can, you know, you can talk about that to me because at some point a boy going to be in PE class and take a shower or be in sports or something Or be at camp and undress in front of somebody else and if they're comfortable just talking about the fact that they have one testicle or one's you know just talking about that whole area I think it's going to make it much more open for people to say you know that if anything is going wrong like one of them doesn't feel right or or that sort of thing and you know just open that subject up so that they can talk about it and if it's a young man maybe married or not and you're the spouse it's okay to ask like hey i remember you telling me about that did you you know ever look into whether you you know what the the situation was with testicular cancer and possibly getting checked for that a partner anybody because some people even as adults may be in that situation, even their partner, spouse, et cetera, knows it, but they've never done anything about it or talked to a doctor about it. So it's just a level of awareness that can start out with boys being able to talk about it and then others being able to ask about it, you know, when they're adults.
0: And that's a good point in terms of comfort and with talking about it um, to your family or friends or in the doctor. And that's a good segue to Uh, My next question, which is about the Max Mallory Foundation, and I just want to add that um, I know on the foundation website, you've posted many articles about uh, survivors or young men dealing with testicular cancer. So why don't you go ahead and tell us more about the foundation and, and what's going on with it?
1: Well, the Max Mallory Foundation was formed in 2016 after Max passed away, and we've had some good partners helping us. Ironistic designed a really nice website. Everything was done professionally, and we were fortunate to have a law firm donate their time into setting the foundation up as a 501c3 organization. So any donations which can be made online at the website are tax deductible. And the whole point is twofold, And my focus has been on talking about the type of awareness. There are other organizations that do testicular cancer awareness in general, and the Max Mallory Foundation does it too. But this foundation has a special focus on men born with one testicle or anyone who had an undescended testicle and had to have it surgically changed or maybe hasn't done anything about it just To bring about the awareness that that is still a risk factor, there won't be a lump in almost any cases when it's related to the undescended testicle, but it's still something that needs to be talked with about pediatricians, doctors if you're an adult, spouses, partners, and something parents of boys in that situation need to be aware of and be able to talk about. That's a a big area of focus. And then in general, and I know that this will be in another podcast, but there's also a focus on cancer of all types in young adults, which is not really a talked about area. It's also something that's been sort of undeveloped and not had a broad base in the past. And interestingly about the foundation, it, it came about for a good reason. I like to say that Max founded it himself. After he passed away, he'd been saving money for a few months while he was sick because he wasn't having to pay rent. His whole situation; his employer was very generous to continue to pay him even though he was too sick to work. That he'd been saving money, assuming he'd get well. So when I um began doing, you know, dealing with his money after the whole the whole loss and the, the intense grief, I realized he had $2,000, and I know he was saving it to spend, not a fortune, but I thought, what can be done with this? And that money became the basis for the start of the Max Mallory Foundation. So it was Max's own money that actually started the foundation. I think that's something really that's very important because um, everyone connected with... the. They have been very good stewards of the funds. Um, We've had more donations. We've had organizations donate to help, and we'll continue doing the, the good work because through social media and the website and other things that will come up in the future, this is another type of awareness that can really help a lot of people the people that it helps, you know, this is the kind of help where you can save somebody's life, it would be worth it if it was one person. So that's how the why the foundation is going to keep striving and moving forward and doing everything we can to get another level of awareness out about testicular cancer.
0: You make a great point too as we near the end of our podcast in terms of collaboration and working with other organizations who are also focused on testicular cancer. And we will talk about that in future podcasts, but it does make a difference just in terms of effect, I would say. So can you give us the link or the URL to the foundation so our listeners can go to it if they would like?
1: Oh, certainly. It's simply maxmalloryfoundation.org. And Mallory is spelled just like you would see it in a female, typically, first name, M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. So it's all one word, MaxMalloryFoundation.org. And that's where the website is. Background on Max, the intent of the organization, links to the Twitter page for the Max Mallory Foundation and the Facebook page for the Max Mallory Foundation as well as there is a LinkedIn page for the Max Mallory Foundation. So it's all there at the website, and there is some advice there, but we also point people to resources that are out there and help people organize the different associations and what's out there. There isn't a core organization in the area of testicular cancer, There seem to be about three or four major ones that all collaborate, so some of that is there as well, but that's where the website is.
0: Okay, so I appreciate that you could share that with us, and we'll close out on this edition of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, which is a podcast for anyone who's interested in learning more from testicular cancer survivors, caregivers, and others who are touched by cancer. You can find this podcast on your favorite podcast location and on the Max Mallory Foundation website. So please join me again next week for the next episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. Thank you.